worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. What happened? I ate my my lunch too fast. Oh. <sighs> I just had a granola bar. Well, not even oh. a granola bar. It's like a protein rice bar. It was the first thing I've Ooh. had today. Oh. That was probably on the smarter side. I decided that I was going to heat up some leftovers. And we have it in a really tiny container. So I was like, oh, it's going to be quick. Well. Not real I hot? May or- oh, yeah. Real hot. And uh, let's just say I burn all in my mouth and I feel it in my esophagus. Oh, no. Fortunately, <laughs> you don't have to lead this episode. So <laughs> you just hear me in the background like, oh, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here like, I'm burning. <laughs> Take In my esophagus. Sips of cold water. Mm-hmm. I grabbed a glass of milk because I'm like, <gasps> was it at least good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was all right. I Not worth have... burning my mouth for, but I just have zero appetite. I haven't been to the grocery store in a while either, so you know, this is mostly snacking at this point. <sighs> well, listeners. Blair. Oh, hi. Time to grab your bottle of rum. <laughs> row, 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 row your boat and watch <laughs> your booty because on today's episode, the letter M is for macabre maritime disasters. Oh, I feel like this episode is going to punch you right in the pantaloons. Yeah, it's something we haven't really done. We haven't really touched on some of the spooky, like a little bit possibly paranormal supernatural. So this is a yeah. first for yeah. us on Macabre. And it checks off all the boxes for dark history, Macabre, and it's spooky. I'm excited. And, and there may be a few ghosts involved. Ooh. Yeah. Give me the spooks. I'll give you all the spooks. (laughs) But before we get into the episode, I thought I'd share a little bit something about me that listeners, well, it's a little bit personal, but it's funny that I'm doing this episode because I am not a fan of the ocean. Don't get at me. Don't don't hate on me. And let me just explain why. So I have this recurring dream that I'm trapped inside a submarine and I'm deep, deep down in the darkness of the ocean. It's completely pitch black. I can't move. I can't breathe. I can't get out of the submarine because there's the weight of all of this water around me. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but like what else is possibly out there in Mm -hmm. lurking in the dark. And then I get claustrophobic and I start to panic. And that's usually when I wake up covered in sweat. So, oh, 
pretty terrible and I hate it. <laughs> I do not blame you. But um Ooh. I do see I do see the appeal for people and I think the ocean is beautiful to look at if you're on the shore, but I have no desire to get on a cruise ship or any kind of boat for that matter ever. I'd rather just sit in my little lounge chair and put on my SPF 50 and just <laughs> sit under my giant umbrella and my sun hat and sip an adult beverage. And that just makes me just as happy as could be. That's as close as the ocean as I ever really need to get. I don't know about That's you. Fair. Maybe, maybe you're one of those people that likes the ocean, but uh, I, I like I, it. Just at yeah. a distance. Right. No. And that's completely understandable. I, I do like the ocean. I've, seen it twice <laughs> um my first time being just a few years ago but i i fell in love with it i love the smell yes um but yeah smell sound if it's clear water even better i don't mind going out in the water mm -hmm. if i can see but um right. yeah it's... i'm that freak that likes to like run around the beach and go oh and then look at shells and like pick them up and be like yeah. these are coming home with me and then there's like no room when i go to pack my bag and come home and <laughs> things are full one, of sand <laughs> take one suitcase just for shells my sister yeah. is a shell hunter that's all yeah. she does when she goes on vacation she literally will bring back a suitcase full of shells that's so cool that's me hilarious. too. hilarious <laughs> hilarious but um, yeah, enough about me. Uh, let's get into today's terrifying tales of maritime macabre. Oh, heck yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> On today's episode, I've got ghastly ghost ships, deadly disasters, and missing mariners. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Imagine... How scary it would be to find a ship floating out on the ocean in the middle of nowhere. Now, imagine that you board the boat in search of survivors and you find something even more terrifying. That is exactly what happened in 1775 when the crew of a whaling ship discovered the legendary Octavius. Mm -hmm. <laughs> The Octavius. Now, it is possible that this ship had another name. It's also documented possibly as the Gloriana. And oh. it was an 18th century three-masted cargo schooner. Oh, wow. And the sh ship, so it's a pretty big ship, right? You yeah. can imagine what it looks like with those big three big sails and mm -hmm. the pointy, all that. The Octavius set sail from England to an unknown location in China in 1761. And the journey to China would take them a full year, um, you know, round trip to get back mm -hmm. to England. And when they arrived in the port of China and prepared to make their return voyage, the weather was good, the seas were calm. And the ship's captain decided to do something that had never been done before, which was oh. to travel through the Northwest Passage on the return voyage. Nobody had ever tried to take that shortcut before. And the dude was like, weather's good. I think we can do it. And the Northwest, 
the Northwest Passage, for people who don't know, it connects the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean through the Arctic Ocean around northern Canada. So we're talking like Alaska, Greenland, mm-hmm. that kind of area. And this decision proved to be a very fatal and horrific death for the crew and the captain. Ooh. What do the Greek what do the Greeks call that when someone is um overly confident about something and then fate smacks them in the face and says, oh. Nope, not today, not today, good sir. We have other plans. Yeah, what is that called? Um, that's uh hubris. Hubris, thank you. I'm like, uh yes. starts with an H. Yes. So at any rate, the captain had very big balls. but then a part of me is like maybe he just really was ready to get home and he wanted to take a shortcut because i can totally see that you know Mm -hmm. like you've been on his balls were missing home yeah you're like on (laughs) you're on the sea for a year like damn can we like shorten this trip in any way shape or form so he's like let's just try to find the quickest way to get home and i don't know if this was a decision that he had made before they even left England, if it was something that was on his mind and he's like, let's just wait to see what the weather looks like. Or if it was something that once he got to China and saw that the weather was pretty good, he was like, let's just, let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that he would have had to have waited until he was in China because, you know, the weather changes pretty quickly. You could only right. gauge that out so far. Right. So... But yeah, so he set sail, and if he had been successful, they would have cut a significant amount of time off their return voyage, which would have been very appealing. And he would have been the first person ever to do that successfully, which would have given him like a lot of sea cred. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, we would have huh. been talking about it if it was successful (laughs) right and anytime somebody's like hey let's try something new when you're on a vast body of water how about we not (laughs) and arctic waters yeah arctic waters he had a lot of balls not even like the warm parts you know where you have to worry about a lot of sharks but let's let's try to go through the ice let's see how that how that (laughs) pans out so he he set sail from China and headed towards Greenland. And needless to say, the ship did not arrive at its final destination. Mm. So this is where it gets interesting. They left in, what did I say, 1761? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, let's fast forward. Uh, the Octavius is believed to have been discovered by a whaling ship called the Herald off the west coast of Greenland on October 11th of 1775. What? 1761 to 1775. That long? Yes. And it was still, like, not underwater? (laughs) Yes. That's fantastic in itself. Like When the Herald saw the ship... Something obviously didn't look right. They didn't know what they were looking at, right? They just come Mm -hmm. upon the ship. The ship was trapped in ice. Its sails were battered and kind of just like hanging loose and swaying in the wind and obviously had been weathered by time and and the Mm -hmm. cold weather. 
Uh, normally, in like an operational standpoint, there would be people on the deck moving about, keeping watch, adjusting the sails, doing all the normal duties that, you know, the crew would be doing. Mm-hmm. And the Herald's crew was like, there's nobody on deck. The ship's just like sitting there in the ice and <sighs> what's going on? So they made the decision to uh, board the crew. There were five crewmen from the Herald that got onto the Octavius. And what they found inside the ship was beyond macabre. Oh, no. Are you ready for this? (sighs) Yep. I'm ready. (laughs) All 28 crew and passengers of the Octavius were found in the cabin below deck completely frozen solid they were so cold in fact that their skin had taken on an eerie bluish tone Mm -hmm. now what is so eerie about this discovery is not just the fact that they were all frozen but they were frozen in very specific positions lying or sitting upright as they would have been as if they had been frozen in a moment in time. Hmm. The captain was frozen at his desk, still holding his pen in his hand, and in front of him was a logbook, which was also frozen solid. The captain's wife and their little boy were found on a bunk in the cabin. The woman was holding the child, and they were both wrapped in blankets. Some other reports say that she was sitting in a chair holding the child, but the end result is the same, regardless of her position on the ship. Hmm. One of the crewmen was holding a small tinderbox, as if he was trying to keep warm. A tinderbox, for people who don't know what that is, is a small metal or wooden box that has things like flint and tinder and normally is used to start a fire but it certainly wouldn't have been enough to keep him warm. But Mm I am guessing like he was probably just so desperate just to have any possible warmth. Right. So just imagine him just sitting there with this frozen in time with this little box in his hand. Oh my gosh. It makes you wonder like, Oh no, go ahead. No, you. I want to know. I was just going to say like, now, it, it wouldn't make sense for this to happen, but, like, if a wave came through, you know, and they were on deck, not below, and they were mm-hmm. frozen, I mean, that would make more sense if a wave came and then it was so cold that it was just almost instantaneous, instantaneous. where it was like, oh. But the fact that they were below deck, you know, yeah. I... Yeah, so... That's it's- weird. It gets even more interesting. Um, The captain, as I mentioned, he had his pen in his hand and he had been writing in his log. Mm -hmm. The last log written was from November 11th of 1762. This indicated that the crew had been dead, floating in the icy waters, frozen in time for 13 years and uh, before they had been found by the Herald. The last known location of the ship was near Barrow, Alaska. Uh, One account of the findings in the logbook reports the captain documenting that they had been frozen in the ice for 71 days and eventually ran out of food and supplies, which led to their demise. But 
let me just say kudos. Nobody tried to eat anybody else, which yeah. often happens. Right. They didn't. So good on you guys. Good on you guys for not cannibalizing each other. Yeah. <laughs> the crew of the Herald was so terrified by what they had found on the Octavius, they feared that the ship was cursed. So they fled the ship with only the captain's logbook in hand. And that was the last time that anyone ever saw the Octavius and its ill-fated crew. To this day, no one knows what happened to the ship. And it's still there? Or did it finally Disappear. sink? Or? Yeah, it's gone. No one's ever, nobody's ever seen it or found it. That's since. weird. The fact that, it, I mean, okay, now I guess it would make more sense that it was still upright, technically, if it was, like, in the ice and stuff. But still, the fact that nothing significant enough to have it sink, you know, just a little yeah. to get in there. It, uh, yeah, because you would long. think the ice would, like, ice, I mean, obviously the Titanic, come on, people, yeah. Um, yeah. could puncture the hull, and, mm -hmm. but it just was, like, wedged in, I guess, and just held there and and then maybe at some point that ice melted and then it drifted and sank or who knows what but yeah right never oh, to be weird. seen again and could you imagine finding those people like that no so creepy oh and i'm you know ice preserves a person pretty well yes so their eyelashes their beards and mustaches and Everything would have had like that mm. sparkle and mm -hmm. frostiness. And I can just, it's like a horror movie to me. Just yeah. Just see it pretty clearly Ugh. what that would look like. Yeah. Ugh. So that's the first one. And I'm just going to ease you in. That's, that's me <laughs> easing you in. Oh. So the <laughs> next one is probably one of the most famous macabre maritime tales. It is the tale of the Mary Celeste, who Ooh. was captained by Benjamin Briggs. Have you heard of that? I have. Okay. Are you familiar with the story or are you just familiar with the name? Uh, a little bit. A but little bit. Okay. I haven't looked into it. Okay. So Briggs... The captain of the Mary Celeste was known for being a very experienced captain. Mm -hmm. He had spent his entire life at sea. He even hand-selected his crew, and they were also very experienced sailors. The ship that he was captaining was share, um, carrying denatured alcohol as its cargo, and it was on its way to Genoa, Italy. And I think that was used in medical you know, for medical purposes. Mm -hmm. The journey started out in New York and there were 10 people aboard, Captain Briggs, his family, and the crew. Briggs had ordered the crew to set sail for Europe en route to their final destination. The captain of another vessel, Captain Morehouse of the Del Gracia, who was acquainted with Captain Briggs, had dinner together before Briggs departed. They captained almost identical vessels. The Gracia would later leave for Italy and would take basically the same route as the Mary Celeste. Hmm. En route to Italy, Morehouse saw a ship heading in their direction. The ship was moving erratically and did not respond to the Del Gracia when it sent out signals. 
Morehouse thought that this was very strange and knew right away that something was wrong. He recognized the name of the ship and knew it was Captain Briggs and his crew. Morehouse sent his crew aboard the Mary Celeste, and when they boarded the crew, discovered that no one was on the ship. What? The ship was completely empty. And (laughs) this is weird because the ship itself wasn't badly damaged. There had been a storm, but it wasn't like anything major. You know what I mean? There was... Mm -hmm. Minimal damage to the sails. Uh, the whole of ship was the whole of the ship was intact, and there were no leaks anywhere. It was basically in perfect condition. What the heck? Yeah, and there That's are weird. is weird, and there are a few other oddities that I have to mention. The Mary Celeste had only one lifeboat, and the lifeboat was missing, and. Hmm. This lifeboat wasn't big enough to accommodate everyone that was on the ship. So what happened to the lifeboat? Right. Also, and you think if something would have happened where they would have had to have used it, there would have been way more damage to the ship. Right. You don't leave the ship, right? Until, like, you have no other choice. And then, yes, why would anyone take the boat? The ship wasn't sinking. There wasn't any major damage. That wasn't repairable. And it appeared that whoever was on the ship left in an orderly fashion. And they left behind six months' worth of food. Weird. And the captain had even been keeping logs daily up until nine days prior to Morehouse's crew finding the ship. Only nine days. Yeah, nine days apart. Um, Yeah. Bad timing. Yeah, because yeah, they seems... left They left from New York just slightly before Morehouse's crew did. So, yeah, the question is what happened yeah. uh, on that particular day in question. Another weird fact about the Mary Celeste is that the ship's papers were missing. And when I say papers, I mean the maps and the navigation instruments were also gone. Hmm. Well, you know for sure then that at least a group of the crew got on that boat and went somewhere, but it's like they were running. Yeah. And so what the hell happened and why? Why would anyone leave a perfectly good ship? Probably worth a lot of money, if I had to guess. Plus, it was carrying that cargo that was worth money. Right. And then why would you leave without taking any food with you? Mm Mm-hmm. Weird. And just set sail on a tiny little raft on the high seas. Right. It just doesn't (sighs) make any sense. So my question is, and I have a couple theories, is they, well, even my theories don't really hold water, uh, pun intended. Uh, (laughs) But pirates, maybe? Yeah. But wouldn't the pirates want something? Yeah. And you would think that the pirates would have taken the food. Yeah. Also, at least some of it. And the ship, like they'd Mm -hmm. send half their people to take the ship, you would think. And then the other thing is like maybe murder and then just people just got tossed overboard. But then just one lone person just takes off on the life raft. Yeah. But it still doesn't explain why. Right. 
Because then you would think also if there was murder that there would be some sort of trace of like something. Evidence. Yeah, yeah, struggle. Yep. Some mutiny or anything. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, so Morehouse was like, I don't know. I guess we'll just, he just ended up splitting up his crew. And half of them ended up sailing the Mary Celeste back to Italy. Can you imagine being the one that drew the short, the short stick for that, though? Yeah. Like, I don't want to be on this ship. What's something's wrong with it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And still to this day, nobody knows what transpired. I think there is a theory, too, that maybe it was Morehouse. Like, mm. there's a chance that maybe he wanted the ship and that the story was made up and that, like, maybe he killed like, maybe him and his crew killed these people and took the ship, but I don't know. That, that could seems, be, well... That seems plausible. Yeah, exactly. Especially since they had dinner together prior, and obviously they were probably talking business, and... Mm -hmm. Huh. So, maybe. Yeah. I could that see that being a possibility. the most plausible explanation. Right. All right. Are you ready to move to the uh, Pacific Northwest? Yeah. Let's do it. So this next tale is that of the tragic fate of the SS Valencia. Mm. And the story of the SS Valencia takes place in the graveyard of the Pacific off the coast of Vancouver Island, not too far from where I live. Dang. Have you heard of the graveyard of the Pacific uh, just a little bit, but I don't know a lot of uh, the stories of the wrecks there or anything. It's aptly named. Uh, the Graveyard of the Pacific is a stretch of the Pacific Northwest Coast that stretches from around Tillamook Bay uh, on the Oregon coast north past the treacherous Columbia Bar and Juan de Fuca Strait up the rocky western coast of Vancouver oh. Island to Cape Scott. It's also called the Graveyard of the Pacific because of the sheer number of shipwrecks in this area. At least 2,000 ships have what? been shipwrecked in this area since 1792. Holy shit! A lot, yeah. Yeah. And the reason is it's very difficult to navigate because the Columbia River flows into the Pacific Ocean and <clears throat> large deposits of sand and silt create oh. this six-mile-long fan-shaped sandbar that stretches out into the ocean. Oh, and, dang. Yeah. With the tides, the bar can be extremely difficult to navigate because it's constantly moving, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the river flow collides with the ocean creating just extremely treacherous conditions for any passing vessel. Yeah. So it's just a bad, bad area. And a lot of times people will even add extra miles, like hundreds of miles to their trip just to avoid that area, to Dang. just go around it altogether because it's so bad. Um, wow. So, so, yeah. In late January of 1906, a second-class passenger steamer ship, the SS Valencia, set sail on the San Francisco-Seattle route, taking over passengers that were intended to be on the SS City of Puebla, which was undergoing repairs. Prior to her time as a passenger ship, 
the Iron Hold Valencia had many roles, serving as a cargo ship, a whaling ship, and she even carried troops during the Spanish-American War. Wow. So she was a, a busy, busy lady. At yeah, sea. really. <laughs> she was eventually sold to the Pacific Coast Steamship Company and would serve as a passenger ship for the remainder of her time at sea. On the 20th of January, 1906, at 11.06 p.m., the Valencia set sail from San Francisco with nine officers, 56 crew members, and over 100 passengers on board. The weather in San Francisco was clear when she departed, but quickly turned south when she entered Cape Mendocino off the co coast of Northern California in the early morning of January 21st. Cape Mendocino is known for its complex weather and wave patterns. The danger can extend offshore for 100 miles out into the sea. It is known Dang. for its volatility. And as I mentioned before, with these treacherous areas, a lot of times sailors will just avoid them altogether and mm -hmm. adding hundreds of miles to their journeys. Now, Dang. the captain of the Valencia did not make this choice. With the weather worsening in the frigid morning hours of January 21st, visibility at sea became impossible. A strong wind approached from the southeast, battering the ship with full force with an Arctic blast. With zero visibility and an inability to use the stars as a way to navigate, the captain had to rely on something called dead reckoning. And if that doesn't say enough about how effective this <laughs> method is, it basically means that you are using your eyes to look at fixed and moving objects to determine speeds and last position. It's basically just you taking a guess at where you're at and what is around you. And <sighs> let's not forget, you're doing this while it's dark, foggy, mm -hmm. misty, windy, and it would basically be impossible to see anything with clarity. Uh, and no. if you know anything about the Pacific Northwest, the coastline is just jagged, giant rocks. Mm. That's it. Everywhere. Just jagged, <laughs> giant rocks. Miraculously, the ship sailed like that for some time. Um, it was battered by strong winds and the ocean current, but eventually relying on this dead reckoning sealed the fate of the Valencia. The captain completely missed his entrance to the Strait of the Juan de Fuca and instead headed towards the island of Vancouver. And just before midnight on January 22nd, the captain sailed the Valencia into a reef just 50 feet from the shore of Pechanga Island off the west coast of Vancouver Island. Oh. oh. The iron hull struck the jagged rocks with full force and it tore wide open. Frigid water rushed in, filling the hole. Sadly, the Valencia did not have the hull compartments, which was something later designed for ships to slow it from sinking thanks to the Titanic, um, mm -hmm. it did not have that safety uh, in place. 
So on this jagged rock, a large wave pulled the ship off the reef and took her back out to sea and water continued to pour in. And the captain, in a last-ditch effort to save the ship from sinking to the bottom of the ocean, did the unthinkable. His only thought was to run the ship aground, so he went full force again into the reef, thinking he could rest the ship on top of the rocks and wait for rescue. But this proved to be a very bad decision. Mm. And it gets worse. Oh, no. In the ensuing chaos, all but one of the seven lifeboats filled with passengers were improperly manned and lowered into the ocean against the captain's instructions. And with the pounding waves and high winds, three of them overturned, spilling passengers into the freezing watery depths. Some of the boats capsized before they could even be lowered to the water. All of them either capsized or disappeared. Ooh. And the next part is so very sad. Imagine there's only one lifeboat remaining. The deck of the ship is filled with passengers, mostly women and children, wailing, screaming, and only one lifeboat made it safely away from the ship. Another boat ended up trapped inside a cave in which seawater rushed in and trapped them, flooding the cave and killing everyone. Mm. One witness to the sinking of the Valencia, Franklin, described the screams of the women and children mingled in an awful chorus with the shrieking of the wind, the dash of the rain, and the roar of the breakers. The ship began to break into pieces all at once. Frail women stood in their nightdresses in bare feet on the ratline, trying to shield their children from the icy rain and wind. As the ship sank, the passengers were carried away in groups by waves that were as high as the ship's masts. There were only 37 survivors. None of them were women or children. Oh my gosh. Officer Timothy McCarthy, one of the survivors, recalled his last moments looking out towards the sinking ship, and I quote, the brave faces looking at us over the broken rail of a wreck and the echo of that great hymn sung by the women who, looking death smilingly in the face, were able in the fog and the mist and the flying spray to remember, nearer my God to thee. In their last moments, the women were singing a hymn. Some people say that this scene might have inspired the famous scene with the band playing violin during the sinking of the Titanic in the movie. Oh, man. Yeah. The shipwreck of the Valencia remains the worst maritime disaster in the graveyard of the Pacific. And some years after its plunge into the watery depths, the Valencia made its presence known. In 1910, a newspaper, the Seattle Times, reported an unusual sighting in the area of the Valencia wreck. A ship resembling the Valencia was spotted by several sailors off the coast, and the ship was half-submerged on the rocks. The sailors reported human silhouettes on the ship's deck, hanging onto the railing, braced against the wind and the sea. Ooh. And that was yeah. years after. Yeah. Oh, that gives me chills. 
Yeah. The whole thing. I can't even imagine. I, this is my reason why I don't ever need to be on a boat. (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) Um, And there are so many stories like this, like so many stories. (sighs) And I have one more for you. And this one, it's, it's a short story. It's a little bit suspect whether it has any validity or not. We'll get into why, um, but it's really creepy, and I really like this story. I don't know that I want it to be true, but if it is true, (laughs) it's it's fucking creepy. Uh. So my favorite story of the episode is that of the SS Orang Madan. And again, I don't know if this is true or not. I can only speculate because there's different reports in the location and the timing and um the only thing i can say is that it has become quite a legend in maritime macabre and if it is true it's one of the creepiest stories out there Uh so the account that i will share with you is a report that says this tale takes place in 1947 so let's think about this time frame, 1947, and what would have been happening around this time. Mm-hmm. Off of the coast of Indonesia, uh, again, reports vary on the time frame. One of the most famous and possibly creepiest ghost ship stories is that of the terrifying tale of the SS Orang Madan, because it is so heavily shrouded in mystery and intrigue. In 1947, a cargo ship off the coast of Indonesia put out a distress call with the words, and I quote, all officers, including captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead, end quote. And Hmm. before help could arrive, a second message was sent out by radio with just two words, I die. Oh, no. And that in itself is absolutely terrifying, but it gets even weirder. Oh, no. When a crew finally did arrive, what they discovered on board the SS Orang Madan is straight out of a horror movie. When rescuers boarded the ship, to their shock and utter dismay, they found all of the crew deceased. And even more terrifying, the crew members' bodies, with their faces contorted, mouths agape, eyes wide open looking up at the sky and their arms were outstretched as if they were frozen in time fighting off some invisible attacker but there were no obvious signs of injury not a mark not a scratch not even a bruise what oh and this all took place in a matter of how many hours Uh, i don't think it was very long Oh, my gosh. Like, once the distress signal went out, like, somebody was dispatched, and when they got there, everybody was in that state. Just kind of, like, um, contorted and, you know, like, paralyzed with fear. Mm-hmm. Looking at... The first thing that came to my, my mind is, like, aliens! You know, yeah. like, <laughs> something's, like, something attacked right? them or something, but... Uh. Um, What's weird is when the rescuers got on the ship, the engine's room um, caught on fire while they were on board, and it forced the rescuers to abandon the ship. 
and hmm. the ship ended up sinking. So whatever secrets it had, it took to its watery grave. And interesting. No one will ever know. Now, and what I have are the to, odds of that? What are the odds? Now, I have yeah. to be like, I have to play devil's advocate a little bit because there was another report from 1948 that says that there was one survivor and that the mysterious deaths were caused by a leak of sulfuric acid, which mm. was included in the ship's cargo that could explain the contorted figures and the sudden deaths. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't explain why the rescuers weren't affected or why there wouldn't be, like, a smell or right. you, like, would see the cargo. I don't know. And maybe, right. I'm, I, maybe I'm off. Maybe there's no smell. I'm not a chemist, so I don't really know. But But you would think that there would be some trace of it. Some trace. And what is weird is that um the ship was never documented in lloyd's registry and that's like you know hmm. the maritime logs for all the yeah. ships that are on the sea and so some people say oh it's absolutely fake but to counter that what if during this time frame obviously this is like you know around this world war ii what mm -hmm. if the ship was carrying something like a secret weapon or right. a, a chemical something. agent. Yeah, yeah, no way that's going to be on any registry anywhere. Right. Well, and that makes you think, too, if that was the case, um, was it from some weird, unknown, mysterious illness? Like a like fast-acting... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, those oh. are my... Tales, my maritime macabre tales for this episode. That's crazy. Well, and I guess it maybe wouldn't be an illness because then you'd think that the rescuers would have gotten something too. Right. Like a biohazard. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, ugh. oh my gosh, that's creepy. What was it? Yeah. And you have one little story that we sort of touched on before. Yeah. I, don't know, I mean, I guess it, it is a true maritime disaster, right? It's documented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Demeter. Um, okay, now I'm going to get it mixed up again. And I did that the in the Dimitri is, is the actual, is the actual name. name. That's what yeah. it is. Okay. So we covered this back in D is for Dracula. Bram Stoker had written about what he called in the book, the Demeter. That's why I get it mixed up. So he took a true account from a ship in real life that was called the Dimitri. And it was a, a weird, weird, weird case that he really didn't change much for the book. Um, it was a ship coming from Eastern Europe from Varna carrying cargo. The cargo had soil in crates by the numerous and it's, it's weird. weird yeah why would why would any be anybody be carrying that much dirt from another place you know it just doesn't make sense there's no vampires yeah vampires well i mean dracula vampires. yeah yeah <laughs> 
And funny enough, there's a movie now coming out about that, yes. <laughs> which we never knew before. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, will this episode air before that or? Good question. Maybe it I'll will, actually. Look. I'll need I, to I th- look and see. The movie comes out at the end of August, I think. And it's weird because we had recorded the Dracula episode this past winter time. <laughs> so <laughs> so I think that's really weird. But basically this storm came up out of nowhere. They lost control of the ship. By the time it came to shore in England, there weren't a lot of survivors left. They said the ship moved like it was had its own mind. Um, they said something was aboard the ship, something weird, and a lot of passengers died. Well, there are a few accounts from rescuers that came to the Dimitri's aid that saw a black dog jump from the hull of the ship and like just shot out onto the beach and bounded up this large steep staircase onto a hillside that led into a church and a church graveyard and then it just disappeared classic classic yeah Uh, a lot of people had described it as a bear guest which uh we've now talked about in a couple episodes it's it's a abnormally large black dog uh, that ha- is very distinct in its own way. Um, it's always associated with bad luck and bad omen. And it's a quite a popular creature from uh, English folklore. And it's definitely seen as bad luck. But um, there are several accounts of different people seeing it. And yeah, the, sh- the storm that took it off just came out of nowhere uh lost control of the ship and yeah wonder what happened to the ship afterwards like did it destroy the ship or did it it like set in port and then well i do know that i mean i'm assuming the ship was salvageable um i don't know how much damage had been done i know that the most damage that had occurred was internally with deaths and stuff but i really don't know um all of the things that they had found wrong and i kind of want to do some more digging on it but the articles that i had read weren't very detailed they just kind of gave a surface level explanation and that was about it but i'd love to do some digging on it and i can't wait to see that movie (laughs) because i want to know so this episode airs the first week of September. Oh, oh my gosh. Perfect timing. So, so you said it comes out in August. Yeah, I think it's the end of August. So that's good timing. How again. timely. We've just been on the synchronicity with the world and it's just kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, it's funny because like we come up with these ideas um totally yeah. on our own and then we find out other people have like been working on these projects and then they yeah. come out at the same time as our content. I know. I'm like, um, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> it's, it's giving great. me the little tinglies on my spine. <laughs> so we bit creepy. That's great, though. We love it. Yeah, it's cool at the same time, even though it's creepy. 
Well, did you have a favorite story from this episode? Oh my gosh. I like them all. Um, but I have to say that the the one thing that really gave me the most chills was all of the women singing the song. Yeah. Like that. It's so sad. Oh no. Mm, and all the kids. I just I can't imagine. And no chance for survival, just knowing None. that you have no... Because even if you hit the water, the water is so frigidly yeah. cold. Like, you would go into cardiac arrest yep. and or drown. Hopefully, cardiac arrest first. Right. So that it would at least be fast. And then right. hypothermia and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that one gets me. The Rang Badan gets me too because Yeah, that one is also the like weirdness. Oh. Right. Makes you wonder. Like if it, it almost, is true. Right. I want to dig more into that. It kind of reminds me of the thing. Mm. A little bit. Mm-hmm. In a weird way. Ugh. Yeah. Has anybody ever made a movie on it? I don't think so. Oh, that should be on somebody's list then. Hey, yeah. people, start writing that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be a good one. Yeah. Oh. And setting it in that time, you could, there's a lot of ways you could go with, a lot of oh, directions yeah. you could go with that. Totally. I think. Agreed. So. There's a lot to work with there. Well, what I... do we have coming up next? <gasps> well. It's next... you, right? It is. Um, N is for Nosferatu. Ooh, oh. we're, we're we're heading in spooky season for sure. We are heading in the spooky season because we've got Nosferatu, we've got Ouija and cursed objects. Yep, for O. We've we've got possession for P, and we've got a bonus Halloween episode that we aren't going to say what it is yet. But nope, we're working on that too. Hang on to your pantaloons. It's coming. Yes. You'll be surprised. It's going to be a great fall spooky season. Yes. We're going to oh. knock your socks off. And I need to give a special shout out. <gasps> we need to give yes! a special shout out. Because we had a moment mm -hmm. that we didn't know we were going to have. No. Because... Complete surprise. Do you want to retell the story? Well, I mean... <laughs> Do sure. it. Okay. So, I... How do I begin? I have to say thank you. Uh, we ended up getting a fan shout-out from Owen and his wife. And they binge-listened to us on a road trip. And they gave us a shout out. And I just have to say thank you so much. That's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. And we've been nerding about it. We're like, oh my gosh, somebody binge listened to us. <laughs> we we texted each other immediately, like, yeah. go to the go to the Facebook page. Look at this right now. Somebody yeah. said that they listened and they liked us. Yeah. You like us. So thank you. Yes. If thank you, like you us, Owen. Thank you, thank Owen's you, wife. Owen. And Owen's wife. Yeah. Um, and if you, the rest of you love us and you want to support us, please, please rate us on Spotify, 
Apple, whatever it's called, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. That helps us so much. We really appreciate it. We really do. And we were so stoked to hear from somebody. It was awesome. Well, I mean, we're still (laughs) stoked. I mean, you can't see me right now, but like my hands are like up in the air and I'm like jiggling in my seat right now because I'm so happy. (laughs) But I seriously thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Owen's wife. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Owen and his wife. (laughs) He didn't say your name, but. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't say your name, but that's okay. We know. He knows. We know. You guys are fucking awesome. You're cool. We love you. You're part of our OG crew now. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And thank you to all of our Looky Lewis, Freaky Friends, Deadly Darlings, and Macabre Hotties as well. We see you. Yes. And we see you, Owen and Owen's wife. We're just going to keep saying that. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, just uh, remember, if you join certain Patreon tiers, we do little shout outs for people. We do little special video. Heck yeah for you guys and there's a lot of other fun stuff so definitely yeah. check out that page for more content that's not published on the main platform yeah definitely and i i know uh coming up here pretty soon we'll have some extra things we're still mm-hmm. working on some stuff so uh i i am speechless and i know it's this podcast and being speechless is pretty fatal because you can't see me but Thank you. I can't tell you that enough. It means the world to us. So keep fucking rocking, my dudes. Keep doing you. Yes. <laughs> you rock. And uh, on that note, we will see you next time. Oh, yeah. We're going to come for your earworms again. <laughs> <laughs> Later.